0: The information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts. Hey guys, this is Adam Carswell, the founder of the Dream Chasers platform, and thank you for tuning into our content. We've got some phenomenal creators making a name for themselves on this platform, and we just want to say thank you for going on this journey with us. It's been a lot of fun over the past few years, and hey, we're just getting started. We would also like to take this moment to shine light on our sponsor, Raise Masters, the number one mastermind for elite capital raisers. To learn more about Raise Masters, you can go to raisemasters.com. That's raisemasters.com. And again, thank you for investing your most valuable resource with us—your time. Now, kick back and enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to Real Estate Milestones, where we explore fascinating topics in commercial real estate with knowledgeable industry experts. I'm your host, Ben Malik, and I'm a young real estate professional who is passionate about adding value to people's lives through the incredible power of real estate. My goal is to help you discover what the heck is going on in the industry and how you can get involved. This is Real Estate Milestones, where your future in real estate lies just around the corner. Hello, everybody. This is Ben coming to you from New Orleans, and we got Travis Watts. He's a full-time passive investor. He has been investing in real estate since 2009 in multifamily, single family, and vacation rentals. Travis is also the director of investor relations at Ashcroft Capital. He dedicates his time to educating others who are looking to be more hands-off in real estate and he's the co-host of the Best Ever Real Estate Advice Show, which I highly recommend to everyone and um, has tons, tons of great information. And I'm sure we're going to get a lot of that today. So Travis, thanks for coming.
2: Awesome, Ben. Thanks so much for the invite. Good to connect.
1: Yeah, it's great. So let's start with um, what's your first milestone in real estate?
2: Man, you know, the first milestone in real estate for me was actually with house hacking. So it was having a roommate that who was effectively paying my mortgage and that first initial toe dip into the world of real estate and cash flow, this concept that someone's handing me a check with some money and and I didn't have to work for that, you know? And so that was the first epiphany is how do I scale a business like that? How could I get not one check for $600, but how do I get a hundred checks for $600? So uh, that was back in 2009 in a little two bed, one bath uh, home that I bought towards the bottom of the recession.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I've been thinking a lot about house hacking because, I mean, yeah, effectively, you're getting you know all your house expenses paid and maybe even have a little bit extra. So um, definitely recommend checking that out for people who want to figure out a way into real estate. Uh, great. So um, I, as I know, you are mostly passive now. To me, it seems like you do a lot of things actively, like you're an active passive investor. But could you just touch on the difference between passive and active investing? Sure,
2: yeah. That's kind of the irony of it. And and that's what I co-host with Joe Fairless on, on the best ever podcast is I called it the actively passive show. And I'm really highlighting the active components to being a passive investor, right? Because nothing truly is a hundred percent passive, right? We all have to do some due diligence. We have to decide what we're gonna invest in. We have to know why we're gonna invest in that. We have to set some goals. You know, there's there's some active components to it. So the way I define it is if you're an active investor, then you have an active role in the actual business of what it is you're investing in. Okay. So if you're a syndicator in, in a syndication, you're a general partner, let's say, well, you're finding deals, you're underwriting deals, you're managing people's money, right? You're managing property managers or or maybe you're, you're owning single family homes, you know, and you're trying to do it yourself, which is what I did for many years is I was an active investor doing vacation rentals, doing fix and flips. These are all very hands-on and very active. I was the decision maker in all of this. Then in 2015, I made a pivot to being a passive investor. And again, what it means to me is not having an active role in the actual business plan. So instead, I'm partnering up with experienced people and experienced firms, general partners, whatever we want to call them, who are out there finding deals, underwriting them, managing them, as I described. And I'm just saying, look, I like that business plan. And I like your track record and experience. Why don't I just partner up with you guys on the deal? Here's whatever $100,000. I want to be an investor in this. And then I'm just sitting back to collect distribution checks, you know, as we go along, in something that that produces cash flow, you know, usually it's multifamily real estate. So you, you could define passive investing if you want to zoom out of real estate real quick. And you know, you could invest in, um, you know, stocks that, that pay a dividend or something like that. It's, it's mostly passive. Again, you have to do a little homework on how to get there and which stocks to pick. But at the end of the day, if I invest in Apple, just for example purposes, I'm not Tim Cook, I'm not an engineer, I'm not working at Apple, I'm just an investor in Apple.
1: So I'm a passive investor to them. So that's how I see it. Yeah, definitely. And I think that in real estate, passive investing is interesting too, because like maybe you're not Tim Cook, but like essentially if you're in a real estate syndication, you can call up Tim Cook and you know talk to him and like you know, get build trust with him. And uh, so, I mean, could you tell us a little bit about Ashcroft and how, you know, seems, are you passive in that business or, you know, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah. I'm a director of investor relations with Ashcroft Capital and and Joe Fairless. And I've been an investor, a passive investor, a limited partner is the legal definition in their deals with Joe for a very long time. I don't know, five and a half, six years at this point, I've done a lot of deals with them. And so, you know, how that came to be is that, um, Again, kind of the quick backstory is that I was working in the oil industry actually at a W 2 job. I was working almost 100 hours a week. It was something I didn't enjoy. I didn't really want to do, but it paid pretty well. And I was single, no kids. And I thought, you know, what else do I have going on? But, you know, Let's make some money, right? And I was parking all of that into real estate, doing flips and vacation rentals. Well, I burned myself out six years of that. And Joe was one of the initial people I was introduced to who was in the syndication business. And you know, he and his team were out there doing these much larger multifamily deals um, quite successfully. And so I started kind of moving my capital over that direction so that I could build up passive income streams and create financial independence that way. And so what that allowed me to do first <laughs> is leave the oil field job that I didn't enjoy doing. And so that's what I help educate people on is how you build uh, what I call FI, financial independence, through passive income. And again, it doesn't have to be syndications, doesn't have to be multifamily, whatever, but it does need to be a hands-off Type of investment, and what it does is it gives you your time back, right? So that you can now take your time and go do what it is you love to do. Maybe it's work part time. Maybe it's pivot careers and do something different that excites you a little bit more. More time with friends, family. You know, travel. Everybody has their why and, and their what. But so that's kind of you know Ashcroft uh, Capital is a multifamily syndication firm. They work with accredited investors, Uh, they're buying in the Sunbelt regions, they're buying pre-existing properties from built in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and they'll buy a property, they'll renovate it, you know, the new new branding, new signage, new uh, curb appeal, add new amenities on the properties, redo the units, and then incrementally raise the rents in the process. And then they're looking to sell typically between maybe three, four, five years down the road, or something like that, and often to an institutional buyer. So somebody out on Wall Street, or an insurance company, or a pension fund, or something like that. And so it's a circle of life, man. It's, it's interesting to study money and, and the movement of it. And we're all in it for different reasons. And a lot of these big hedge funds and mutual funds and, and and all this kind of stuff, they have deep pockets, they have a lot of money, but they're not in the business of being so hands-on and so active, right? They don't want to go to these properties and start working on the HVAC systems and start you know repairing roofs. <laughs> they're just looking to park big money in something that produces cash flow. And so... Um, yeah, it's a circle of life. We come in and fix them up. They buy them. They sit on them for 5, 10, 15 years till they start having deferred maintenance. And then they offload them and they sell them. And then, you know, Ashcroft's just one of many groups that'll jump in and buy and start the renovation process. So that that's kind of the macro level of, of who Ashcroft is and what we do.
1: Yeah, that's great. Thanks for the description. It makes a lot of sense. Um, so, I mean, I think a lot of people have this notion that the rich get richer and I mean, it makes sense. It seems like it repeats throughout history, but, um, I mean, I want to know if you had any rebuttal to that, or if you had any way of explaining that, that, um, you know, might offer a different perspective.
2: Sure. I'll, I'll pull, you know, some sources from primarily, I guess, Robert Kiyosaki. I think he does a, a great job at breaking this down, author of rich dad, poor dad and founder of the rich dad company. And the bottom line is that, uh, you know, out a diagram here to, to show your listeners, uh, most uh, poor basically have money come in and 100% of that money go right back out right so it's income and expenses boom and bang you're back to zero and this is why it's tough to get ahead right it's paycheck to paycheck style of living the middle class have uh you know some savings rate but unfortunately what's missed a lot of times is that uh, middle class will buy things that they think are assets But in reality, they're liabilities. And so Robert Kiyosaki says that an asset is something that puts money in your pocket, whether or not you work. And then a liability is something that takes money out of your pocket. So I'll give you a good example. The most common example is buying an owner occupied home to live in. A lot of middle class say, wow, this is my biggest asset in life. Look, I have hundred K home, you know, home equity over time. But the the reality is you pay property tax, you pay insurance, you have to maintain the property and then, you know, you'll have a mortgage payment. So it's just a money sucker. It's just pulling your money right out, right? A car is the same thing. You you might think of it like an investment or an asset, but in reality, it's going down in value and you have to insure it and you have to maintain it and things like that. The rich, to answer your question, are investing in, in real assets, whether that's, Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, real estate, gold, silver, they're things that are producing income and or maybe going up in value simultaneously. And then what happens is that that money comes back in and they just cycle it back in to more assets again. And so this is kind of that snowball or compounding effect is when you can build more passive income streams than you need to live on then anything above your means, it's recycled into buying even more assets. And so this year, you've got 10 grand, next year, you've got 15, then you got 30, then you got 50, then you got 100. And it just blows up. And this is essentially how get rich richer and, and why that is.
1: Yeah, that's all great stuff. And that's a very good explanation. And I know, um, you know, one thing I've been thinking about is that if like you if you have a million dollars and you invest that into a piece of real estate that pays, you know, 8% in cash flow, that's like 80% or that's $80,000 every year and like that's a more than a lot of people's salaries. I know that's an example that you gave for, you know, why you like to invest in real estate, but could you elaborate a little bit more about why you're interested in real estate and how maybe real estate investing is different than investing in stocks?
2: Yeah, I started out on the real estate path, but I got so heavy into it that I thought, you know, I don't want to be a one-trick pony here. I want to have a, a wider perspective. And so when I left the oil industry, the first thing I did by choice, not by obligation, is I went and I got a job or a career, whatever you want to call it, at a super large brokerage firm, because I wanted to learn stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. And I wanted to really Question them. I really wanted to learn them from the inside out, and you know, get licensed to do this stuff and and learn the whole Wall Street game. And we learned is there's a big um, misalignment of interest. You know, in other words, you know, when you work for these these places, they're training you to push their products or their mutual funds. But I didn't personally believe in them, and I knew that real estate held, in my opinion better benefits (laughs) in the sense of you know paying down mortgage and the tax incentives that come with it and the yield and the cash flow seem to be higher than what a lot of these other things were paying. And then what you said earlier hit the nail on the head. You know, maybe I can't call up Tim Cook at Apple and say, how's it going? Tell me about your business and you know how'd that, that quarterly meeting go. But I can do that to a general partner of a syndication and they're often putting a large sum of their own money in the deal with me as a limited partner. So if that ship starts going down, they're going down with it, you know, and I see a lot more alignment of interest with that than just telling someone you should buy this mutual fund, even though I don't I don't invest in it, but you know, you should. <laughs> so um, yeah, so that's kind of, you
1: know, the, the macro level to that. Did I answer your question? I got on a little rant there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, if you could kind of speak on the difference routine Um, I guess, between speculation and then cash flow investing, that'd be be helpful.
2: Yeah, that's another thing. And, you know, we were briefly kind of chatting about this uh, earlier, but, you know, there's a big, I'm in an episode on the Actively Passive show about this, but a lot of people confuse the two between speculation. And so let's look at it this way. We had what's called the lost decade from January of the year 2000 until about December 2009. So A lot of us are trained, including myself, early on that investing is all about buy low, sell high. That's investing, right? But no one really teaches cash flow and passive income. Not a lot of people, you know, comparatively. And so, what would have happened if you were an investor in January of two thousand and you said, "You know what? I'm just going to buy an S and P 500 index fund. I'm just going to kind of broadly put my money out there in the market." And you know, historically, the stock market always goes up. Blah blah blah. But you know, we had the dot-com crash happen and then we had nine eleven happen. And so the markets were down and then we had a recovery start happening, but then we had the great recession and the markets were down again. And then we had a recovery, you know? And so and we all know that there's ups and downs in the market. The unfortunate thing is that, buying an index fund like that is just hoping that the market just goes up. There's really no other strategy. And unfortunately, in that time frame, there was 10 years that passed with nearly a 0% return because buying an index fund has a super low yield, maybe around 1%, 1.5%, something like that in today's world. So I decided... That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Who wants to give up a decade of of investing, you know? And then inflation's been happening the whole time. You really end up with a negative, you know, realized return uh, or lack of return. So I, I paint the same picture with real estate. And I said, okay if I had invested in a syndication or just a piece of real estate that I bought and it had a very conservative cash flow that was annualized. Let's call it 6% just to be really conservative. And it never went up. It was just 6% a year for 10 years in a row. Okay. Well, if I put a hundred grand in there, right, as an investment, then I would have been getting $6,000 per year in actual realized cash flow that I could be putting in my pocket or putting back out into new investments times 10 years, right? So that would have been $60,000 I would have at least pocketed because I invested for cash flow or for passive income. And I didn't try this whole buy low, sell high because the truth is, as much as a lot of people like to think that they know and have a crystal ball nobody knows where the market's going. If it's up, down, or sideways, no one has been long-term uh, predicting that stuff. So, um, so, yeah. So, speculating is just saying, uh, your example earlier was like Tesla. Um, you know, it's had this massive uptick, and that's great if you've been in it. But if you're getting in today, what's it going to do? I don't know. You know, the NASDAQ's getting crushed. Tech stocks are, are losing value. But is it going to keep going down? I don't know. You know, is it going to jump back up and go to all time new highs? I don't know. But if I invest in something that pays me an 8% dividend annualized, it doesn't matter to me personally, whether it goes up or down or sideways, because I'm living on that cash flow. And that's real income. And so that's my my message to the world is uh, focus on passive income.
1: Yeah. and And even better, it's tax advantaged income.
2: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, man. The, the more you study real estate, I think you will see why it's it's a superior investment. Again, that's just my personal opinion. That's been my own, you know, biased experience in real estate. But when you look at the leverage you can get, when you look at the tax advantages, when you look at bonus depreciation and cost segregation, and some of this may be crazy jargon to some people listening. The point is, study it <laughs> you know make your own decision but it truly is a great asset class and it's it's needed we need more affordable housing in america more than ever in 2022 it is so hard to find and it is so desperately needed how much do we need a stock or a company like coca cola I don't know. I mean, you tell me how, how essential it is in your opinion, but to me, we do need affordable housing. And I think that's very important.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And um, some of those buzzwords will be answered in future episodes. I'm, hope, I'm, ha- I'm hoping to have the, the cost seg king on at some point. Nice. Um, yeah. Good. So um, what are you looking at now in terms of investments? So I believe in what, what I refer to as the 80-20 rule. You may have heard that in
2: different contexts or examples, but 80% of what I invest in is what I know and understand best. And that happens to be multifamily real estate syndications as a limited partner. So I'm still doing that this year. Uh, and for the foreseeable future, I still think we have some room to go. We're seeing some big inflation. Uh, Generally speaking, real estate's an inflation hedge, so it goes up with inflation, if not exceeding inflation numbers. So I still think this is going to be a a foreseeable future thing. 20% of my investable um, portfolio, we'll we'll call it, I kind of experiment with. I do different things. And, um, you know, for those that, that may be intrigued by uh, you know, cryptocurrencies or different, you know, coins or whatever. This is kind of where I play. If I were to play in that space, that's where I would allocate it or even stuff like self-storage, mobile home parks, things that are kind of in the same, you know, family of what I do, but I'm not an expert in it. And so I may just place some capital there. So, um, that that's how my 2022 and probably 2023 looks. I, I don't look too far ahead, but at
1: least the next couple of years. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that. And, uh, yeah, I think it's cool. Cause it's hard. learning about things from podcasts is one thing. And then like doing it and like seeing how it works is also like very powerful. I like to learn through experience. So, um, yeah, I think that's cool that you have 20% for, uh, you know, I'd say maybe you could say learning or experimenting. That's yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> Well, for
2: the same reasons I I pointed out earlier that I didn't wanna be a one trick pony and just only know real estate. And that's why I went to go work for a brokerage firm. This is the same concept. That 20% allows me to learn new things. And if one day multifamily... stops making sense for whatever reason, it gets super overvalued and ridiculous and the returns go away. I need to have a backup plan. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be, oh, I guess I'll just sit on the sidelines now for a decade and, and wait till it makes sense again. It may never make sense again. So uh, that's, that's where I get, you know, my backup plans over there. I see what did well and what didn't and what I might be able to repeat uh, successfully.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I like that a lot. And so uh, before we go into our lightning round, could you give us your most recent milestone in real estate? You know, the most recent was
2: just realizing my highest and best potential was not being active in real estate. And that doesn't mean for anybody listening that it's not a, a right choice for you. It's just, I didn't enjoy managing tenants. I'm not a handyman. I didn't have really great connections in the industry. I wasn't able to find amazing deals that were off market, blah, blah, blah. And so I was just kind of going through the motions in a good uptrending market. And quite frankly, the market was helping me uh, as much, if not more than what I was actually doing (laughs) when I was doing fix and flips. And so you got to remember that, again, markets go up and they go down. And so if you're going to be a full-time fix and flipper that may work today. And in five years, you might be crushed and out of business because we're in a declining market for three years and you just can't make the numbers make sense. So that, that happened for me in 2015. I said, Hey man, if you can't beat them, join them. I want to be a a limited partner and I want to find these groups that are just crushing it
1: professionally and just partner up with them. Yeah, that's cool. I started thinking it's like, maybe in a recession, you could be a, like, destroyer and flipper, like take apart houses and then sell them for less. <laughs> but no, I don't think that works nearly I mean, as well.
2: I, I'm of the <laughs> philosophy and opinion. There's always a deal to be had, but I tell you, it gets a lot harder to do a strategy like that. The same with buy low, sell high, right? If you're just going to, you know, invest in the stock market generally, but we're seeing a huge decline in the market, that strategy doesn't work too well, you know, and it sucks to sit on the sidelines and wait because you don't know. You might today be at the bottom of a correction and now it starts going up tomorrow or it might go down 40 more percent. <laughs> you know, so it's just not, it's just a hard strategy. Um, you know, some strategies are hard to do, but when you invest for cash flow, you can run the numbers today and say, well, for the last 30 years, this property's produced, you know, 500k a year in cash flow, you know, realistically
1: will we'll be in that ballpark. And so uh, price can be a little bit secondary. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I guess I just thought of one more thing. Um, do you have an opinion ver- on investing in REITs passively versus you know syndications? Yeah, so there's pros and cons.
2: So like syndications are an illiquid investment, first of all, meaning if I go put 100K into a deal, and then a year later, I need that money back, I usually can't get the money back. <laughs> it's been spent, it became part of a down payment and a rehab budget, and that money's gone. So that's a con to, to doing what I do. And a pro to the publicly traded markets, to answer your question about REITs, is they are liquid. I can put 100K in today and then tomorrow go, I'm ah, just kidding. I want that money back and I can pull it right back into my bank account. That's a beautiful thing. The The biggest con to me about the publicly traded markets is that they're so volatile, as as we've seen this year, um, you know, especially in January 2022, up and down 3%, down 4%, some of these REITs are getting crushed. And for no hold, they're still performing, you know what I mean? Like your real estate doesn't actually go up and down 4 and 5% per day if your tenants keep paying the rent, you know what i mean? they they're there. So sometimes when you just blindly invest and say, yeah, i'm just going to go buy a handful of REITs, you might be overpaying more than you think. You know, if you know how to look at the spreadsheets, the fundamentals, the PE ratios, you may, you know, you got to simplify it to reality and a an average home's 400k, you may be paying 800k. Uh, per home if you're buying it inside of a REIT because the market's artificially high at this time. And so I think if people saw it that way and realized that, there would be far less, uh, you know, when we're kind of up in the bubble territory of the markets, there'd be far less investing going on. But uh, anyway, that's, you know, not to go down a rabbit hole on it. Um, There's pros and cons. So real quick, March of 2020, the market's corrected about 30% on average that was a great time to buy REITs, by the way, (laughs) you know, some of these REITs got crushed like 30, 40%. And again, nothing really changed fundamentally from their collections and their occupancy. So you are literally getting 30, 40% off on an investment. And that was tremendous, but trying to time that's pretty difficult. So if you see the opportunity, um, it may be a good one, but uh, you know, not, not financial advice.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's all very good points. Um, yeah, very interesting. And uh, I think one trend nowadays is um, the tokenization of real estate, which might merge the liquidity aspect into the syndication yeah. business. Which um, I think it's definitely worth you know learning about and thinking about because it's the, the implications are pretty pretty uh, cool.
2: Absolutely, hundred percent. I'm happy that we're here, technology wise, to be able to do something like that. It could make even a better asset class.
1: Yeah, and then have access to people who are not accredited investors necessarily who um, you know, might not wanna or yeah, might not have, you know, yeah, if ten thousand dollars is like could be all of your extra money versus like, you know, one percent. And like it's so you could put one percent of your money and it'd be like proportionally the same thing as someone who had ten thousand dollars, which was one percent of their portfolio, if you know what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I'm all about that. I mean, obviously reasons why these laws exist and why certain people have to be accredited to do certain deals. I'm not going to argue those points, but I am all for everybody having equal opportunity to participate in investments, right? If they know and understand the risks, um, you know, I just I just hate that so many people are passionate about this stuff, but they just can't get involved. So hopefully we head that direction.
1: Yeah, that's part of what we're trying to do on our our podcast, help people, um, you know, accomplish this. So it's great stuff. So um, lightning round, let's start with um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be?
2: I've always been intrigued. There's been some movies made about this uh, where you could download information to your brain, basically, you know, so like. Instead of audible and, and these kinds of things where you can get an audio book and sit there and listen, what if you could pay twenty dollars, hook up this little microchip and then boop, now the, the book's in my brain just instantly. Now I know everything that book said and I can maintain and remember it. We get obviously so smart and so advanced so fast. And I'm an avid reader and educator.
1: And so that would be amazing. So that'd be mine. Well, that's a good one. I'm I'm also an avid reader and um I mean, I'm thinking about the matrix. I was having a conversation with my friends today, actually. Um, But yeah, like, you know, doing that, upload the, um, the fighting skills. That was, that was awesome. Um, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that'd That'd be cool. That's a good one. So on that note, I guess, what's your favorite book or what's the one that's helped you the most?
2: yeah so it I read a lot of you know practical books on the subject that I just i've read I don't want to say I've read every real estate book, but I've read a ton of real estate books, but also I'm a big believer nowadays. You need to kind of blend it up a little bit too so i I read books by Tony Robbins for kind of that that motivational or that you know setting goals kind of stuff you know so Unleash the power within was probably one of my favorites I've read three or four times over the years, and it's kind of like. When you when you hit a plateau, right, because learning is not just a linear curve straight up, right? Sometimes you you hit a nice step up and then you hit a plateau for a while. And so when I'm kind of stuck in that plateau, what do I do next? You know, how do I expand from here? Those are
1: great books to pull out and and to read. Yeah, that's that's a great advice. Um, so what motivates you to continue doing what you do every day?
2: helping people. So yes, I do, you know, the best ever stuff in the podcasting and the Ashcroft Capital stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm an investor. And I found real estate to be extremely powerful in my life. It's been literally life changing and not just to me and my family, but a lot of people that are in my network and that I've been able to help. And so getting those responses back, getting emails from people going to events, um, you know, you're just out in LA, uh, and, and just hearing people, Hey man, you know, I was listening to you three years ago didn't know anything about multifamily. Now I've done 20 deals and, you know, I couldn't be happier. I just sold my dental practice. Now I'm going to be able to retire, blah, blah. I just, I love that stuff, man. That's, that's literally what I thrive on. And, and I'll tell you, it's a numbers game. You know, you talk to a hundred people, you might get three or four that that really have that kind of story, but it's those three or four that, that, that keep me going.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And I think real estate is one of the best ways to add value to to people, you know, within you know, helping people with their financial literacy and, you know, like, I guess their, their dreams of financial freedom. And then also like providing high quality housing to people and, you know, creating an, an environment where people want to live. And I just, that's what I love. I, I love adding value to people. And, um, that's what I'm doing here. And that's what I hope to do with the, the rest of my life. So that's great. Uh, so I love it. What, yeah. What What advice would you give to someone who wants to follow in your footsteps?
2: Yeah, well, first realize uh, or decide, I should say, for yourself whether you want to be active or passive because there are pros and cons, you know, and I speak out a lot about this. Not everyone's cut out to be a passive investor, especially if you're first starting out with very limited amount of capital, because you think about it, you know, if you had, I don't know what ten ten thousand dollars to start with, right? Do you really want to be a passive investor? You'll put that to work at eight percent, you know, and, and you're making, you know, nothing basically per month in passive income. So if that's not gonna be motivating to you, then don't do that. Take your 10 and try to turn it into 50 and try to turn the 50 into 100. And when you start getting up to, you know, a few hundred thousand, now you might start thinking about being a passive investor because now all of a sudden you might be able to bring three, four, five, six thousand $6,000 to the door every month without having to work. And that becomes a game changer for life. And back to your how the rich get richer. Uh, that's the formula, man. So um, the formula I've used is is Earn at your highest and best potential, live below your means for a period of time, invest in something, whether it's cash flow or equity or both. And then, you know, avoid bad debt. Don't try to keep up with the Joneses and, you know, forget what other people have and aspire just for happiness and fulfillment in your life. And so those four steps got me to, you know, the financial independence. And it's easier said than done, but it's it's worthwhile. <laughs> and it can happen sooner than you think.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That's really inspiring to to me. who's trying to, you know, follow this this path to financial freedom. So I I love it. All right. So last question, I guess, is uh, since I put you on the spot, uh, I'm gonna give you a chance for revenge. So feel free to ask me anything you'd like to know about me. That's awesome. Well, this is
2: okay. So I'm a big believer in reverse engineering, right? So you got to look at five, 10 years down the road, and kind of what it is you're trying to accomplish, and then what can help you get there. So uh, what what path are you on? I mean, if you think about yourself in 10 years, is it a lifestyle that you're trying to build? Is it a financial number that you're trying to hit? Is it how many people you're trying to help? What what's your 10 year plan?
1: Totally. So I buy ten-year plan. Well, I know. Okay. So my number is by twenty-seven. I want ten thousand dollars of cash flow per month. Um, okay. I think that that would be a good place to allow me the flexibility and freedom in my life that I want, and I'll cover the expenses, and you know, give me yeah. a nest egg to be able to start a family or you know have the freedom to you know pursue the the, the rest of of my life. So I think that's a good place to start. And I mean. In terms of getting there, all I do is invest in my education. So I'm like when I for for jobs I'm looking for, I'm looking for the places where I learn the most about uh, real estate and about the things I like. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to I'm working in as a a, in lending in or multifamily lending in New York at Lumen this summer, and I think that's like gonna help me with my network in this this field that I I love so much. Um and and learn the financial side of things. And um yeah, so uh, I at this point I'm not sure if I'm gonna get there fully passively or if i'm gonna eventually be um active i think one down down the line i will i will be doing my own deals but um i definitely want to learn as much as i can about real estate and then you know uh, benefit from the the awesome advantages of, of being an investor in real estate
2: i love it man they're 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 noble goals and they're in my opinion Achievable goals, and, and I'm sure that you'll be there. And anybody listening, uh, well, including yourself, Ben, if you set number goals like that, ten thousand a month passive income. What I encourage you to do is is what and I forget where I learned this, but it's it's called the three whys. So you, why do you want the ten thousand a month? I know you named a few, but get as detailed as you can and ask yourself why. Okay, I want 10,000 a month income. Why? To do A B and C. Why? Because of blah blah blah. Why? If you can successfully ask why 3 times in a row and get to the bottom of it, your probability and likelihood of actually achieving that just skyrockets to the roof. And the mistake I see people make is they say, "Well, I want a million bucks. That's my goal. And and they can't answer the why three times. And then what happens is a recession hits and they were making progress, hundred K, 200 K, 300 K. Now it goes back to 150. They give up. They go, well, I don't really need a million. I'll just settle for like 500 K. That'd be all right. And, and so they just give up. <laughs> and so don't
1: be that guy and ask yourself why. Yeah, that's a good point. And I guess just to, you know, build on that, one of my whys is that my mom and my dad are both very hardworking people who, you know, have taught me a lot about, or yeah, have led me to have this work ethic where I want to, you know, add value to people and I want to work hard and, you know, create financials freedom. Um, but I mean, they, they work very hard and they're not having the advantage of the, of real estate in, in terms of taxes and, you know, flexibility yeah. of their time. And like part of my why is, you know, helping them with or maybe I'll, I want to put together a deal where I can start getting them into, you know, the passive cash flow and starting to feel like, yeah, they're, they're working for their freedom. So we can go on vacations. But if you only do it two weeks of the year, you know, that's not quite as much freedom as I want for my family and for the people around me. So that's a lot of what motivates me to try to find real estate deals and, you know, w- want to go down this path of, uh, of real estate.
2: I love that you've already got goals tied to other people and that's hugely important. Again, most people don't get there until they've fulfilled their own goals, right? It's, it's for, for generally speaking, it's me, 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 I, 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 okay, now I'm a millionaire. Now I'm going to start thinking about giving back and other people, but it's so cool to listen to you talk about stuff like that because to, to help people is truly the most fulfilling thing, you know, Uh, you could set a goal for yourself to be a billionaire. And if you made it, it's going to be cool. But I guarantee you'll be unfulfilled
1: if you didn't help anyone along the way. Yeah, that's a great point. And I mean, this has been an awesome episode packed with so much great knowledge. Um, I'm super excited for for everyone to listen to this. So um, so how can our audience find you and uh, learn more about you, Travis?
2: Uh, you know, JoeFairless.com, AshcroftCapital.com, uh, The Actively Passive Show. If you type that into YouTube, Google search Travis Watts Podcast. There's a lot of ways you can reach out. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Pockets, I'm on Instagram. So I'm always here to be a resource for anybody in the industry accredited non-accredited syndication whatever you want to talk about i do 15 minute calls with people for free um every week with no agenda no upsell i don't sell books training programs mentoring i'm just here to, to try to help so reach out whatever outlet makes sense to to anybody listening happy to connect
1: great well I recommend you guys do that for sure travis this has been a great pleasure and um i thank you thank you very much for for joining us And um, everyone who's listening, I hope you guys have great success in achieving your next milestone. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. If you enjoyed today's episode, please drop a like or leave a rating and review. And don't forget to follow or subscribe for more awesome content. Thanks.